Well, the Danish have hygge, the art of coziness. But it turns out the Swedish can teach us a thing or two about the art of death cleaning. Now, that is different from just tidying up. Death cleaning is sorting out your stuff so that other people don't have to do it when you die. Three death cleaners from Sweden, an organiser, a designer and psychologist, Katarina Blom, take on eight Americans who need help to get their lives in order for a new TV show called The Gentle Art of Swedish Death Cleaning. It's produced and rated by actor Amy Poehler, who says death cleaning is a way to normalise fears about death and can be surprisingly life-affirming. Katharina Blom joins me now from Stockholm. Hello there. Hello. We've heard now about throwing away stuff that doesn't spark joy. How is death cleaning different? Uh, I think the main difference is that in death cleaning, you really want everything around you to have a purpose. Like you want it to serve a purpose for your life here and now. Uh, it's not about minimalizing everything. It's not about throwing everything out. Or It's more about, you can be a maximalist, but uh, as long as you know that everything around you serves a purpose, that is, is an important item for you or that you really, really need it, or it's something that connects you to your legacy that you want to pass mm. on to your kids or relatives. I like that. And um, it's quite a new concept for us in this part of the world, but is it something that people in Sweden just do? Do you grow up understanding what it is and, and why it's important? Yeah, you just kind of do it. You don't even um, often talk about it, like calling it death cleaning. My my mother used to death clean with my grandmother when she was a kid. It's just something you do. I death cleaned with my, with my grandmother on my father's side. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's just ingrained in our culture. Mm. And what is it about Sweden, do you think, that makes it such a widely accepted practice? Um, I'm not sure. I think we can be very um, uh, a matter of fact mm -hmm. with things. And uh, of course, we can be scared about death and dying as well as in any culture, in any country. But it feels like now after I visited the US and doing this uh, TV series, um, I feel like it's a bit more extreme over there. Like uh, people really don't want to talk about it uh -huh. or change the subject or... And um, I, yeah, I've worked with people in grief uh, as a psychologist in Sweden, but I still haven't met that kind of great avoidance. Like, let's uh -huh. just talk about it. Or like even fear of crying. You know, uh, in in US, you often hear in, in the series and also when I was there, um, like, don't make me cry. Oh, I, I'm so sorry. I think I'm going to cry. And they like wave their fingers in front of their eyes I, like we don't even have that motion that movement <laughs> that emotional expression in swedish uh so it there's different there's definitely some cultural differences mm. and as i said the death cleaning team includes an organizer a designer and you the psychologist what, what's your part in the process we all all of us do everything um as a baseline uh, we we come into the the participants' home and uh, really tries to connect and really listen in. Uh, what's what's the deal? Uh, what's their need? Uh, how can we be of service? But then we kind of divide. So Ella is the great organizer. She's really um, she can really 
tell some harsh truths, but she's also like Mama Bear, so everyone loves to hug her and like cry with her. Uh, but she's yeah, she's great. She knows uh, a lot of tricks and stuff how how you can head on your messy corners. Mm-hmm. And then um, in that process, uh, there's always emotions coming up, and that's where I come in. So. I think I'm kind of the bridge trying to understand the dark corners of a person's home, how it connects to their dark corners in their emotional body. Um, because there are surprisingly many connections. Uh, I'm thinking about in one episode um, with the Sue Moreno, uh, she lost her partner Bev in COVID. And now she's written a retired art teacher and art collector. And her home is just so stuck. And she herself is also just stuck in grief. Um, And we talked a lot about leaning into the discomfort of like pain of losing your best friend and your Mm. lover. Um, And uh, it's really, you can really tell there's this parallel of thawing your emotions and feeling more and more free about how to deal with your items, with your stuff. Uh, we also met Godfrey. He's like he's around his in mid thirties, maybe, and he lost both of his parents within fourteen months while he was battling cancer himself. So it's just so so much density in his life uh, in that dark chapter, and then he just stuffed all the their belongings in the basement, and kind of never did anything to them, and uh, he said to me that if I throw away or give away or donate an item that used to belong to them, it's like I'm throwing them away. And uh, by talking about grieving, death and and the pain, he realized, and I noticed this with a lot of the participants, that the things are not the same thing as the person that you're missing. Uh, They live within you and you have those memories and you are the legacy. Uh, of your parents Um, so a lot of them said that it was so freeing like um, they felt they regained autonomy to to make these decisions for themselves and not wondering how to honor this person in the right way Um, yeah you were were great you were great at um giving the right piece of advice at the right moment Mm. You, you say to one person that you're helping you say when you go in for everything, you kind of lose everything. What did you, what did you mean yeah. by that? Yeah, that's a saying in Swedish. I actually quoted wrong in the show. I'm still regretting that. <laughs> <laughs> but the main point is right. Um, so a lot of people are trying to save everything. This was a woman who had a lot of photographs in a room on every person from all of her life. And... Uh, she loved going in there because all the photos um, evoked a memory. But um, it was also kind of hard to connect because it was kind of overwhelming just being in that room because it's so full of pictures everywhere. Um, and uh, uh, I think that goes for anything in any room in your house. If you love a lot of things and you put everything out on display, it's like when we met Dog in another uh, episode he's a collector of i don't know star wars figures and the superhero things and uh, 
um, wiener mobiles. He had collections of so many things and you were just so overwhelmed when you stepped into his house. So you couldn't mm-hmm. even enjoy the different like knickknacks that he had. Uh, so with him it was really about how to categorize this and archive it and maybe rotate your collections so you can really enjoy those Star Wars figures and then you can really enjoy the uh, tiki torches and uh, all the other sculptures that he made. I'm talking to Katarina Blom who's a psychologist on the TV show The Gentle Art of Swedish Death Cleaning uh, and one person said to you well, they said in the series at least, I, I knew you were going to declutter my house, but I didn't know you were going to declutter my soul. <laughs> mm. How does something like organizing your stuff achieve that? Yeah, <laughs> that's a good question. Huh. No, but that's really a, a, like a common theme for each episode. I still, when I watch these uh, episodes, I feel like I'm going to microtherapy myself. <laughs> I laugh, I cry, <laughs> and it, it, you just you're being drawn into uh, something existential when you do a death cleaning, and it's just freeing. Uh, basically, I think. Um, I think when we talk about death, it's inevitable to also talk about life, and um, you need to come clean with yourself on what are my priorities what are my values what's closest to my heart what do I want my life to be about for the last years that I have well I'm like still alive Um, so I think for people it's very life affirming but also um, I had that kind of gentle guiding role of moving towards the, what's painful or what they might have been avoiding and pushing away from because I think a lot of us myself included we feel at times stuck or we feel like um, we're just not that alive like this is this what life is about and you feel kind of mm. I don't know at times empty or restless or like wondering isn't there more more to life and I think we have so much of the answer to those questions within ourselves and often in the dark parts in our emotional body that we shy away from. Because every emotion is just a messenger for a need that we have. <laughs> uh, so if we push away the mes- messenger, we will never be able to find out the proper need. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we listen in and can find that need, uh, it's so much easier to fulfill that need and also feel unstuck and feel more alive. Um, so I think that was the process in different shapes with everyone. You've got such a great way with words and you've written books and done TED Talks about happiness. You say our brains mm-hmm. our brains are not always on our sides when it comes to well-being and you say thoughts don't create happiness but action does. And I wonder if this action of taking a look at your possessions um, yeah. and removing some of them is an example of taking action that can translate into great happiness. Yeah, definitely. I think the problem we face with everyone in the show, and I think this is true for a lot of people, is that we um, avoid discomfort in the now. Um, and that's kind of pleasant in the moment, but uh, it doesn't solve the thing that's causing us discomfort. And uh, by taking action, and actually moving towards what's troubling you or what's creating this stress or discomfort, 
that's the path that's going to make you feel more brave and free and that you actually own your own life. So um, you can sit and avoid things and think, I'm happy, I am satisfied, I'm a valuable person, but really feel very disconnected from that. Um, but if you take action and behave and treat yourself as if you are a valuable person, as if you care about your mm-hmm. own, I think that has so much more of a large impact on how we really feel in our life when Not- we wake up. Yeah, nobody knows when they're going to die, and so you can start mm. death cleaning at any age. It's not supposed to be a big one-time clean out. It's an ongoing practice. Nonetheless, are there are there mm. some times in your life when you really should think more seriously about doing a death clean? Yes, uh, definitely. I think every time you're doing some kind of transition, uh, it's an open invitation to do a proper death cleaning. So if you're moving, uh, if you're moving to a bigger house, a smaller house, uh, or if you um, have a baby or if you have a second baby and like need to rearrange your clothes or, um, or if you're having a divorce or if you're getting married and going to move in together with another person, anytime that you're making a major life change, I think it's an invitation to also reflect on how does this decision, uh, how can it be seen in my home? Uh, what's the values that drives this change for me? Why do I want to do this? And how can that be shown in my home? Because uh, this is where we live. Like, this is how I remind myself of who I am. Can you suggest any ways to give perhaps your elderly parents a nudge to do this w- without making them feel like you're rushing them to the grave or, or, <laughs> or anxious to claim the family jewels? Yeah, I think uh, you should be kind of matter of fact with things and also show that you care. So it could be something like, wow, mom, dad, you have so many lovely things here. Have you ever thought about what will happen to them if you would die one day or when you die? Just do you have a plan for them? Mm -hmm. Or it could also be... um, You've led so interesting lives and I want to feel closer to you. Can you show me the things that are really important to you in this house, in your home? And tell me a little bit about these things. Why are they so important for you? Because uh, that's really a way to keep the legacy alive and to know where you're from and what you want to pass on to the next generation. Yeah, because children don't always know what's meaningful to their parents. Stuff. Stuff's just stuff unless there are memories attached Mm. to it, right? Yeah, for sure. Must be quite a good way to start a conversation about death, um, maybe with your adult children, what you want in terms of of end-of-life care, um, what kind of service you might want when you die. It's quite a safe place to begin. Mm, Definitely. I mean, everyone wants to be... um, Having going through that final chapter with dignity and that it reflects who you are and how will anyone know if you don't tell them. So I think we all avoid talks about death like there's uh, and we help each other avoiding it by never raising the question. So let's reverse that and help each other talk more about death. Uh, even if you think like, oh, maybe I might upset them or I bet your parents think the same thing. Maybe I upset my kids if I start talking about death with them. I'm not going to die today, but someday you are going to die. And it's so kind and so compassionate to have a plan and to be able to talk and discuss it while we are alive. 
You say, here's another great piece of Katerina advice. You say, don't just give things away, gift things away. Can you explain that? Yeah, so uh, in Sweden, we're kind of aware of the climate uh, change and the climate crisis. So we're really big on recycling and uh, trying to live as green as possible, not eating too much meat, going vegetarian and all of that. Uh, so when we're doing the show, we're trying to bring that mindset to the U.S. as well. And there's so many things that we can uh, re-upholster or uh, donate. Um, it's not about just throwing everything away just because I am done with this. So we talk a lot about what can bring joy to other people. And I think the show shows in such a good way, different ways that we can, like where we can go with our things. Uh, the organizer is Ella Engstrom, and we might just borrow some of her advice here as well. She has plenty of tricks that might be helpful for people to get started on their death clean, and one of them is using color-coded stickers. How does that work? Yeah, so uh, that's a little game she plays with the person when we meet them. She calls it red dot or not, and she has three <laughs> different types of stickers. Uh, it's just red, yellow, and green ones. So we go around the house in the beginning and we place red dots on everything that's obvious trash that needs to go. And then there's yellow stickers on anything that's going to be donated or gifted or handed to relatives and other people. And then there's the green ones that um, we put on everything that's like a treasure to the owner. Like this is definitely something I want to keep. You say don't start with the hard nostalgic stuff first, right? Mm, yeah. So um, one thing we noticed with everyone was that uh, there can be resistance at first, but once you get started, it's this really uplifting process and it frees so much energy. So you want to create that momentum of like, wow, I'm making progress. I want to do more progress. I'm going to keep going at this. And one way of creating that momentum feeling is uh, to not start with the difficult parts, which could be like, papers or photographs or if you have lost someone and you need to go through their wardrobe maybe you don't start with the wardrobe because it's one of the most personal things uh, maybe start with something easier um, that you don't have that much emotional attachment to because then you're going to start feeling uh, ah, I'm making progress I'm, I, I can move on to the harder stuff um it was an American TV production company that made the TV show and they ran into some difficulty working with Swedish women when they didn't build in any fika. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost another interview fika, but can you tell us what it is yeah. and, and why you told them, hey, this is important? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's like the backbone of Swedish culture. We need to have fika. It's like... Uh, I looked into a book about that ridiculed Swedes um, and it was so spot on. Uh, it had like, if you really want to anger a Swede, you just tell them we're out of coffee <laughs> because that's like a sacred ritual that every, every day at 10 a.m. and at 3 p.m., everyone at work stop working sit down and have a coffee together maybe you have a little cookie or cinnamon bun but the coffee is the most important thing 
and you talk about your day and like um, talk about work related stuff or you just uh, connect to your colleagues over other things than work and it's a time to relax and just reflect and and uh, get new energy going Finally, the um, title of the show is The Gentle Art of Swedish Death Cleaning. Where does mm. the gentle fit in and, and any advice for being gentle on yourself in this process and throughout life? Yeah, I think there's so much shame built into having a not uh, rep, rep, is it like respectable or representable home. Mm. Um, if you feel that oh my home is so messy or dirty or whatever uh, I I don't even want to invite other people and you go in Instagram and you see all these very polished yeah. very nice designer homes and you just feel that shame start building up and you get going critical on yourself I think this is this is where we want to be very gentle I think almost not everyone, but almost everyone said no judgment to us in the show uh, when they were about to show us their home. Uh-huh. Um, I think we all have some level of self-judgment. So being very gentle with yourself and remembering that this is a lifelong process to look after your things and to continue to shed different layers because you change over a lifetime and your home should reflect that change. And uh, that's something that takes time and awareness. And it's not something you just build overnight. So be gentle with yourself. Have patience. Well, the TV show is called The Gentle Art of Swedish Death Cleaning. I've been talking to one of the three death cleaners, psychologist Katarina Blom, uh, who stayed up late for us in Stockholm tonight. Thank you so much, Katarina. Oh, thank you for bringing me on. I love talking about the show. And it's so uplifting. I just showed it to some friends the other night and they were like oh I'm so moved and touched by life and like we're alive and it's such a nice reminder I think